Welcome to yet another episode of Shortcast Over Coffee. Today, my guest is Krish Ashok. Ashok has been a part of the show earlier where we spoke at length about food, homeopathy, veganism and Carnatic music. And I highly recommend you check the episodes out. I link them in the show notes. Ashok recently made a food trip to Lucknow and I thought I need to ask him in detail about the Mughal and the Awadhi dishes he tried there. So here we are. Like most of my episodes, we do digress quite a bit, but I really hope the episode is both engaging and entertaining as we talk about Lucknow, the city, and how the Mughals influenced Indian cooking. So let's now get right into it. Hi, Ashok. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. This is the first time I'm using the word welcome back because uh, you've been a guest uh, on the show before. Um, so uh, last time we spoke about food, homeopathy, uh, music, and uh, I would like to talk to you about your recent travel experiences. Um, so I heard you went to Lucknow recently. Uh, how was that? What was that for? Was it a food trip? It was, yeah, it was primarily a food trip, uh, pretty much, right? I mean, I think uh, um, one of those few places like Calcutta, which we essentially picked merely just to go eat as much uh, different kinds of food as possible. Although in Calcutta, we actually ended up eating lots of different kinds of food. Uh, and in Lucknow, we found ourselves eating just one kind of food over and over and again, but it was still amazing, right? So, uh, but yeah, so I think primarily just for food, yes. Mm. Yeah, I've watched YouTube videos of uh, Delhi Food Walks, I think it's called. So the guy goes to different yeah. cities <laughs> and uh, has uh, has like a local guide and uh, they take him to uh, different food experiences. Was that Was that the case? It was, at least on one day. So I did have somebody uh, who follows me on Instagram who took me around, who ha actually happened to be a, a, a MasterChef contestant as well. So uh, so he really knew his way around and a, a lot of the other chefs everywhere kind of knew him because he was popular from TV. And uh, so they would give us the sort of the off-menu stuff and so on. So I think it was uh, quite fantastic. Yeah, so it took us to uh, all of the non-tourist trap based uh, places as well at least the chart and the other uh, kebabs and so on. yes yeah interesting you talk about calcutta and lucknow and i think there is a huge debate of uh, how potato found its way in biryani i think um, is potato part of uh, our type biryani as well or is it only calcutta no it isn't it isn't it's it's very much a, a later addition in calcutta uh, well after i think the avadi food reached calcutta and that's sort of like the base of the mughlai cuisine in bengal uh, uh, there's very distinctly there is a Bengali food and there is a uh, Mughlai food um, in Bengal uh, and I think uh, and there is obviously the Indo-Chinese so these are the three sort of big pillars and and then there's lots of obviously like the British era bakeries and uh, you know places that make cakes and omelettes and those kinds of things and there's also your uh, vegetarian sort of Jain Marwadi style uh, sort of food, you know, puri puri bhaji uh, sort of thing in the morning and so on, right? So that's Calcutta. But I think you know, uh, Lucknow. Obviously, I think the the Avadi cuisine itself sort of is very much a very uh, a regal royal kind of a uh, thing. The Avad rulers were were generally uh, huge patrons of food and uh, and more importantly, also keen on uh, sort of. Uh, making that food available to everyone as well, right? So they would set up these uh, soup kitchens equivalent, right? And, you know, they would serve biryani. And there is this urban myth that the uh, the dumb cooking style evolved as a as a response to uh, 
the the fact that the nawab wanted to serve hot food to people and that was practically hard right i mean if you if you had to sort of uh, serve food to everyone you can't like be running a live kitchen all the time uh, and the idea of uh, something that would just slowly cook in its uh, very low heat over a long period of time and stay hot and fresh all the time was, dump was something right? that yeah. apparently yeah a dump dump yeah, sort of cooking, cooked right mm. cook, cook in its own juices in its own smoke and so on yeah Uh, yeah from all directions yeah, yeah yeah i mean there's this there's this debate about uh, how biryani found its way and uh, there are two different stories uh, one is that uh, the the last uh, emperor of awadh uh, was i think the british sort of uh, threw him off the chair and uh, uh, he made his way to calcutta and then calcutta, british, yes yeah. wajid ali shah yes wajid ali shah and then he uh, and british sort of brought out this narrative that he was poor and he couldn't afford meat and uh, then he had to use yes. potato and apparently that's yes. not actually true uh, not entirely so as as i found out that i think that is one story i think uh, so let's put it this way i think he was definitely not as rich as he was when he was the ruler of avadh uh, uh, but clearly i think uh, uh, he could have probably stayed pretty comfortable if he had lived within his means and so on right i mean i think he had expensive taste to be fair yeah right so compared to his own regal self maybe technically yes a poorer nawab in that sense um and yeah it's it's not impossible that uh, that they might have probably perhaps tried to cut down on meat uh, and and so on but yes but i think the more practical reason is is probably that i think there was a certain novelty to the use of potato uh when it was introduced by uh, uh those people there and i think uh, uh at that point of time i think these guys were keen on sort of you know being the who's who and the elite of that society and i think adding potato to these things sort of made it a, a new novel thing right yeah yeah and uh, it's actually fascinating how um the our cooking style and mughlai cooking style are kind of related uh because yep. from from what i've heard uh by the decline of the mughal empire a lot of these cooks yes. made their way to our then hyderabad and, and, absolutely. and so on. absolutely yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean at the end of the day they, they were uh, they were vassals of the, uh, the the mughals right i mean it's usually some sort of uh, usually it's some sort of distant cousin uh, somebody who have not in line for the throne right in delhi or agra uh, would be sent off to become like the nawab of uh, of the mughal sort of the the nawab was actually a title that was used as the sort of like a vassal of the mughal right not not the emperor himself right so not the not the shah and shah if you will right so um, and so you had like the nawab of bengal and you had like the nizam of hyderabad and the nawab of awadh and so on all of these were vassals of the of the of the british uh, uh, of the of the mughals um, and and then essentially over time i think as delhi and uh, became weak they just declared independence and sort of became their own uh, grabbed their own territories as did hyderabad has did awadh has did bengal and so on yeah yeah very interesting uh, i saw a lot of stories of uh, uh, kebabs kakori kebab shami kebab and yes. all of that yes. and um, yes. uh, i had this very uh, curious question that were you raised a vegetarian and when did you start eating meat and was it difficult for you to start eating meat uh, because there is this um, you know at least i have this where uh, you know whenever i tried trying things uh, because i never grew up eating meat there is this yes, um, yes. i think it's it's quite an a quiet taste right um, so tell me that story it is it there are two layers to this of course it is difficult but it's made difficult not just for the simple neurogastronomic reason of uh, 
of finding unfamiliar textures uh, harder to get used to. That's, I think, only one part of the story, right? The second part of the story clearly is the 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 moral and ethical superiority we attach to vegetarianism, and more importantly, the disgust associated with with meat, at least by people who are vegetarians in India, is also unique to India, right? I mean, I think. Uh, so it's it, so it, it's different in the West. So people who are vegetarians or vegans and so on, uh, they 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 probably grew up eating meat and then they said, now nah, you know what, it's unsustainable, it's unethical, and I want to be healthy, eat healthy, and so on. And they sort of switched over to a plant based diet and so on. But barring the few idiots on social media, nobody's like saying it, meat is disgusting and so on. But saying meat is disgusting is like a very central part of I would say thirty percent of India's population, right? And uh, it is disallowed in religious context. It's disallowed, and yeah. So I mean, you, you don't you don't find Christianity, Islam, or uh, Judaism, or Buddhism. Buddhism is again uh, comes from India, so you can find that they do have that thing, mm. right? So it's strange that you know China, as as meat heavy as it is, right? The Buddhist places are still vegetarian, right? Uh, and you can see that sort of uh, where it originated. It originated in India, right? And where this idea of somehow meat is impure. Right, is is sort of like a very strong thing, at least for the last thousand thousand four hundred years. So yeah, so that sort of makes it hard. But I, but I think again, as I said, I, I when I got introduced to meat, I was in Delhi, which is there's no better place, and uh, and Delhi is very similar to Lucknow in many places. I mean, it's the same Mughal food, and uh, and my and my college uh, was in um, in uh, in Kashmiri Gate, which is inside uh, old, the old Delhi, the walls of old Delhi, and very right next to Chandni Chowk and uh, and Jama Masjid. And all of those places that still had restaurants that essentially claimed that, well, you know, the chef is descended from the chefs who used to cook for Akbar or used to cook yeah, for... There is uh, a bit of history so that uh, I think that area or, or around that area was called Shah Jahanabad and then it changed to yes. uh, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So one of the seven cities of Delhi, right? I mean, right all the way from, uh, sorry, the, your uh, Hastinapura, Indraprastha, and then you have your... Uh, your Lodi, uh, Slay, Dynast. Right, so so the Mehrali, which is sort of where the the slave dynasty Kutbuti Daibak and so on, and then you had the Lodi Gardens and that part of the city, and then you had the the Humayun's city, and then you had Shah Jahan's hmm. uh, city as the last one, right? Yeah. Hmm. So so that's where you got uh, introduced. Was it uh, like yes, you were you you were fine? Uh, no, in the sense that I mean, uh, well, so it was difficult to start with, uh, and obviously I think. Uh, the most friendliest of things to start with is usually chicken, right? And, uh, you know, so, uh, and it took much, much longer for me to get used to things like seafood or uh, red meat uh, and, and so on. And in fact, it wasn't until I went to the US that I then kind of got used to pretty much everything, right? I mean, yeah. So there's, so you, you get everything everywhere. So India is weird in the sense that you actually don't get all meat everywhere, right? It's like, so if you're, a, you're not going to get pork inside, you know, uh, the walls of the Red Fort, right? Um, in the old city of Delhi, which is again, you know, predominantly a Muslim place. You're not going to get beef in many, many parts, many cities of North India and so on, right? Uh, and uh, in fact, the only place where you can generally walk around and in 500 meters eat every possible species human beings eat is probably Kerala and a few parts of like Tamil Nadu. That's pretty much it. Or Calcutta, right? Uh, but even again, Calcutta, it'll depend. Right, uh, the Mughlai Mughlai places are not going to serve pork, uh, and so on. But the Chinese places will, right? And 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 yeah. So so it's so India always has these. So food is like so central to identity in India, right? Uh, in a way, it is not in in the US. So so in the sense, when I was living in the US, it was just yeah. I mean, you could just pick a cuisine, you could go, and that the menu itself will have 
well, there is a chicken menu, there's a seafood menu, there's a red meat menu, and you know, there's like everything, right? Yeah. And then like two vegetarian options. <laughs> yeah, and like two vegetarian options, or 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 as many vegetarians eventually figured out is to pick the most interesting looking meat dish and then say do it without the meat. Hmm. Uh, that's usually a better way to eat more interesting food because the, the natively vegetarian options will be just simply terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I've had this conversation with uh, with uh, people who uh, who have tried the novel concepts like impossible burger and impossible meat um and the reason why uh, what they say that they don't like it is that uh, the reason why they chose not to eat meat was different from an american so an american yes. uh, loves the taste of beef but for environmental Absolutely. reasons yeah. they don't uh, they don't yeah yes but indians don't have an acquired taste for it and now you're serving yeah. because you've been told because taste. you've been told yeah because you've been told as a child that it's disgusting that you know and and therefore it smells bad and and you've been told those kinds of things all the time right and and so therefore so i it's i as far back as 20 years ago i find vegetarians being disappointed by the fact that the the veggie burger that burger king did introduce like 20 years ago which was made of a, a mock meat soy thing which had a sort of like a vaguely rubbery chickeny kind of taste didn't even taste like beefy or anything um, and they were like this tastes terrible right because they i think they expected an aloo tiki inside right and uh, in this in a sense i think i think it's more fundamental in the sense that i think the taste of protein is not something that i think indian vegetarians are fans of it's as simple as that right so it's nothing to do with meat you you try give them soy granules and they say this tastes like cardboard Yes, of course, because the the most delicious form of protein is like eggs or you know, chicken or crustaceans and so on, but, and you don't like that. So clearly, uh, plant-based protein, which is isolated, is going to taste pretty bad. So I think it's a it's almost like uh, vegetarians just need their carbs in India. I think this is what I think. <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah. So everywhere else, the formula for burger is carbs, protein, carbs. Veggie burger in India is carbs, deep fried carbs and carb. Mekalu tiki and so on. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so coming back to Lucknow and kebabs, uh, what are some of the things you tried and what was your favorite? Oh, it was, I think it was bad. It was so hard to choose. I think every restaurant ended up being better than the other. Uh, overall, I'm sort of uh, inclined towards the shami kebab purely for the fact that I uh, you know, I I have a I have a bias against very soft textures. I like a little bit of a little bit of crunch, a little bit of textural variation, and so on. The galavati kebab is just literally just melt in your mouth, which is fine, yeah. which is amazing, right? But, There's a bit uh, of history but, yeah, around that as well. Yeah, right? Some, yes, yeah. And, uh, the myth around that essentially being uh, the fact that there was this uh, nawab who ha didn't have teeth and so on. Which incidentally, by the way. Apparently, a lot of historians question that too, right? saying that that's highly unlikely that there was a uh, that he managed to do this because he didn't have teeth or anything. But I think the the more uh, interesting explanation is the fact that amongst the Persian Persianized elites, which is sort of basically everyone from Uzbekistan, Iran, Afghanistan, you know that that these were all Persianized. They considered Persian to be the court language and so on, right? And so uh, for the for the longest time, so the Persianized elite apparently have a thing against sounds being made when you eat so it was considered specially bad manners if you if you could hear people eat and and so they disproportionately had a preference for creamy richer softer textures because they 
basically just made less sound uh, when you ate them. And so it's just, it's just natural. That's probably an outcome of that rather than, you know, a toothless nawab and, and all of the, and attributing the fact that, you know, he was, he had a play, he played a role in inventing this and so on. But yeah, so my preference was Shabi Kabab, which I think had a, which I think uh, the mincemeat along with the onions and chilies and the other spices I kind of made it a, had a little bit more texture uh, uh, than the, uh, uh, than this, right. And, and uh, than the Galavati itself, right. And uh, the Kakori basically sort of like a, like a sausage, if you will, right. Uh, it's just shaped like that, but had the texture of a Shabi Kabab, right. And Kakori is a, is just a town just, just outside Lucknow, right. And so lots of these things that are named in Lucknow, which are like sort of nearby towns, right. Uh, your Muradabad, Muradabadi Biryani, like for example, is Muradabad, this is, is right outside, right. Uh, and so on. So, <clears throat> So I think, uh, yeah, so I prefer the Shabi Kabab for the most part. And I've always felt that I think it probably makes, would make amongst the most flavorful burger patties, right? I think there's something to be said by that. I, I don't know why they would not just start, somebody would not start. I Preferably in the US, like an Indianized burger chain with just like the Shabi Kabab uh, inside, right? And, and actually, Indians could probably make some really fantastic veggie patties as well, right? Uh, yeah, I'm surprised why there so isn't yeah, yeah. Uh, an Indianized version of fast food. I mean, I had this question to um, uh, one. I, there is no. I think I think the the the, the SFOs in the New York cities have like these dosa, taco, crepe type places now, uh, and a few. I think the naan, taco, naan, pizza type sort of you know crossovers and so. Yeah, on. there's like a naan which which is like yeah, naan which yeah yeah, yeah naan like which, a carty uh, roll oh, company. I, 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 Correct, correct. And there's also, I think, the desi pizzas, I think, have now become sort of like a base. Oh, yeah. Right? Your chicken tikka pizza and so on. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, but I think uh, I think the other way around, meaning that uh, where it's still an American template, but the flavor profiles and inside, it's like tandoori bayo and you have all of those other usual better pickled sirka, sirke wali piyaz as opposed to just that stupid raw onion that they give you in the, in the burger and so on. Would all really elevate... A burger, and today you can get those sort of burgers in these experimental hi-fi, you know, Brooklyn kind of you know hipster Indian places or whatever it is, or in SFO and so on. But you know, um, yeah, this could actually be sort of the sort of thing that I think uh, uh, your ubiquitous uh, Indian buffet type places in the US, where the order of dishes is the same all across the US, <laughs> right? It it starts with this mango lassi thing, and it starts with one of these. Uh, and there'll be always this uh, pakoda or a samosa there. And then there'll be this tandoori giant tandoori chicken sitting somewhere. And there'll be a dal. And yeah, it's the same thing everywhere. Yes. Yeah, it is the same thing. I think uh, uh, some of the outlets like In-N-Out and Shake Shack have uh, have gone a level up. Uh, you know, they started serving caramelized onions and, and a bit more innovation where they don't have yes. any freezers and they, all of that. Yes. And I think they, they, they do a lot more interesting things with the fries and uh, oh yeah, double fry. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, so th those are really sort of good. And I think the the smashed burger, two layers of patties. I think that's that actually makes it more texturally interesting. Uh, yeah, but but at the end of the day, it's also burgers like the American quintessential American comfort food, right? I mean, it's just um, yeah, in, in the sense that if you get used to eating burgers, I think a, a bad burger is is okay too, right? I mean, it's it's the it's like the dal chawal of uh, it's very hard to mess up a dal chawal. Right. I mean, there's nothing to it. Right. And it and it'll taste comforting as long as you get the salt right. I think you're fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, what was the what was the basis behind choosing Lucknow? Was it a random choice or you something you read Had about been, and you actually, always wanted so, to go? 
Yeah, so I think as a food city, it's, it's one of those places I had not been to. And uh, ever since I think the last time I did some place in UP was Varanasi, I, I think I had to take my mother for some religious reason. And so we decided to sort of okay salvage from all of the religious nonsense by at least eating some good food, right? Uh, eating uh, uh, all of the chart and amazing things uh, in Varanasi. And Varanasi, mind you, is sort of, again, right? The, the central part of Varanasi is very much a vegetarian place, right? So there's no... Uh, because of all the guards uh, and the stuff, of course, I, I think you could, of course, still get beat uh, in India by the, you know, your uh, that uh, Gyanvapi Mosque and other things. Which, which again, but again, right now it's a communally sensitive area. I think the mosque is right next to the Kashi Vishwanath Temple, right? So it's, the mosque has been locked up because just to prevent any further damage from happening and so on. So that's like, so we kind of stuck to vegetarian food for the most part because my mother was there and so on. But I think. Uh, uh, Lucknow was always something that we wanted to do, right? As a, as the place to eat kebabs, right? Um, and and the fact that I think you know uh, that you could just take one of those shami or galavati kebabs, they would serve this most astonishing. I think, again, I think the the most underrated thing in eat to thing eat to eat in Lucknow is the way they make rumali roti. I've never liked rumali roti till I ate it at Lucknow. I'm like, wow, this is the perfect vehicle for kebabs. Because it's so thin, it's like a cloth, it doesn't dry up, and it's done so beautifully. You could just sort of, you know, uh, a kebab, the onions inside, that pungent hit, and oh, it is, it is, it's it's a, like a tiny, small meal instead of ordering an oily bowl of some sabji and some butter naan or something. I think this is like a fantastic way. It's on the street, just one rumali folded roti, two kebabs, and a plate full of onions, right? I think, and the onions there are slightly less pungent, um, and they cut them in a certain way. That I think also they cut them thinner than they do in other parts of uh, other cities I've seen. So it's sort of the onion actually is a lot less pungent, but still maintains a little bit of that uh, sort of crunch. Uh, yeah, that was like really lovely. Yes. Do they do they make rumali roti any differently, or is it just that same inverted kadai and then? Yeah, it is the inverted kadai. But I think what what the chef who accompanied me told me is that uh, for any chef who comes out of Lucknow, I think mastering the rumali roti is like a is like a rite of passage, right? Uh, because you can, um, if it's too thick, it no, it feels doughy and heavy. And if you roll it too thin, it becomes like papad, and you don't want that. So somehow it has to be like a rumal, and it has to sort of when you hold it, it has to sort of feel like a cloth, not like a papad. It can't like be hard, and it should not be heavy and doughy as well, right? So getting that thinness right and the temperature right, I think is like it takes a you know, a specific skill, which I think, you know, they've sort of mastered. I've even, even Delhi does not make as nice rubali rotis as, as Lucknow. Lucknow oh, is. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so other than kebabs and uh, rumali roti, you mentioned about charts. Um, uh, I saw a story about basket chart. Uh, tell me more about that. Oh man, that was a, so I think this is a sort of famous chef. I forget his name. He runs this uh, uh, famous cafe in, in, I think the old part of town in Lucknow. And, uh, he said to have invented this basket chart. Uh, so I think a better name for it is the kitchen sinks chart. Basically, it's like throw the kitchen sink at it, right? It's basically everything that goes into every chart, a little bit of that goes into this basket. They do not mess around. I mean, it is it is not something a single person can eat. It's you order one and the entire family eats, right? So it's got the deep fried potato. It's got the daiballa. It's got the alu tiki. It's got the sprouted moong. It's got... And then it's there in this basket, and there is all of the pomegranate and and all of the other chutneys and uh, and and the spices. It is 
it is easily 1500 calories right uh, and and it's got dahi on top right and, and so so it is uh, yeah so it, but but it is absolutely delicious right so it's just so many textures uh, and so on so the basket chart but in general even the chart there itself like the palak patta chart for example like it's so nice the, the the layering the crispness and more interestingly the use of very thinly sliced radish as a garnish and and in winter they use the radish leaves as garnish and it adds an amazing mild wasabi peppery sort of hit which again you know radish horse radish same family so it has that same allyl isothiocyanate so and it it is an amazing addition to chaat now i was i was wondering why could we not do that in chennai because you kind of get radish all through the year um and the interesting thing is that the the radish in the south is like insanely pungent so it's not something you can eat that raw that easily whereas that's the, what the i was wondering there, yeah, yeah it can be a turn off you know completely it's a turn off right but there it no it's very mild and it's just amazing right so radish as a garnish oh wow i mean it is thoroughly underrated and it's something that i found you know in every chart in lucknow and in delhi normally they they do that in winters hmm interesting yeah uh, again varanasi also has this uh uh dolat ka chart uh also called as makhan malai um and oh, it's yes. incredible how they used to do it uh before the the times of refrigeration right and uh, i had this um i was reading this article where uh, kulfi and matka kulfi was also invented during the mughal time when they used to yes. bury it inside sand and all of that it was yeah, quite yeah, fascinating yeah. yes i mean it's it's a lot of the i i think a lot of engineering went into figuring out ways to to remove heat from things in a place that is fundamentally warm right um, and you do that via condensation through capillary action and a bunch of these other physics principles that you sort of you figure out that you put it inside these uh, uh, pots you know like water in pots sort of stay cool because you know it's going through those pores evaporating and then evaporative cooling right i mean it's a uh, and and so on so you you uh, do these things and then they actually used to procure rice from the himalayas um, and then about 30 40% of it would melt along the way but they then figured out that you could wrap it in gunny sacks and hay and other things which again would act as a heat shield um, and and therefore you know you would still get like 60% of the ice uh, down to delhi and and then they would actually have these crushed ice sherbets the mughal emperors and these they they would actually have ice right and they it would come from the himalayas i mean imagine right i mean there was no motorized vehicles it would take like weeks um for these caravans to sort of come uh, horses uh, or even a uh, horse drawn carriages to come from from the himalayas down the mountains right but then yes i mean you know i recall i live in chennai and there's something called the ice house where pre electricity uh, i think you know the, the the ice used to come from boston so the funny thing right the tea used to go from here and then the ice used to come from there uh so uh, there was a fascinating story of how uh, boston used to export ice <laughs> to chennai and used to be stored in this ice house which later became vivekananda's uh, a place where vivekananda stayed so it's now called vivekananda house right uh, but it used to be the ice house for during the british and east india company's time for their you know uh, whiskies and other things right you know where else were they going to get ice right that is crazy and and talking about this this transportation i think um, uh, i heard a fascinating story about how uh, babar uh, was a, a big fruit person and uh, Uh, and yes. and he wanted to get fruit from samarkand you know i think that's where he was from and he's from yeah uzbekistan yes yeah and uh, he was he was not able to because you know they would go bad by the time they reached and that's how murabba came uh, yes yes 
Yeah, the yeah. dry fruits, the whole idea. Of... So, in fact, I think in the Babar Nama, he's like, he's like pretty brutal about the fact that he found everything in India not to his liking, right? The food, everything. I mean, he found the culture, everything not to his liking. Right? He wasn't a fan, right? Uh, but it's interesting. But by the time of his grandson, I mean, they were like absolute, complete locals, right? And the interesting thing is by Jahangir or Shah Jahan, they were more than 80 or 85, more than 75% Rajput, right? Because only through the father's line were, were they Mughals. Through the mother's line, they were all... So by the time of Shah Jahan is the son of a... Uh, again, the son of a Rajput, the grandson of a Rajput, the great-grandson of a Rajput on entire maternal line entirely, right? So he has more Rajput genes in him than he has, you know, Babar's genes, right? So it is... so. Uh, it, this is something that I think sometimes Indians forget, right? When in, in our nationalistic drive to somehow consider the Mughals to be not Indians, they were about as Indian as it gets, right? Because I think there's a distinction between uh, a Mahmud of Gore or a, uh, or Ghazni who came to loot, destroy and take everything and go back versus people who basically just lived here. And, you know, they, they built the civilization. They, I mean, a whole bunch of... Uh, court systems and we think the British set it all up? No. The British ex expanded and extended what the Mughals had already done in terms of tax collection, in terms of courts, right? Uh, I'm always reminded of how in as far down south as Tamil Nadu, right? Consider every legal term in Tamil. I'll give you some examples. The word for resignation is Rajinama. I'm sure even Malayalam is something similar, right? Raji, it's Raz yeah, e Raji. Raji Kattar means right. resignation letter. Yeah. So it's Raz e Nama. So it is again a Persianized Mughal term for a resignation, right? Vakil, right? right? Kacheri. All of these are so. So it is. It is pretty evident that you know. I, I think you know. So that's you know. I know it's a bit of a sidetrack, but you know, it's always fascinating to me that people sometimes forget that they're as Indian as 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 you can get. Yes, maybe some ancestor came, yes, and, and did some destruction, etc. But right, I mean, it, it, people forget that. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, I, I, I have always wondered why uh, courts are also called Kacheri and the Carnatic concerts are also ca called Kacheri. That I, I don't quite know, but I, I have a feeling that I, I, I think probably those... Uh, those buildings may have been called that, but I'm not entirely sure. I, because I think they had sort of like an audience and a, a place for a gallery and so on. I think is is my guess, right? Probably. Originally, yeah. I think they would have been they would have been smaller, more chamber court chamber like things. Uh, we also call it a chamber orchestra, the lawyers' chambers and so on, right? So it is probably that. Uh, but yeah, so Kacheri Road in in Chennai is is named after the fact that there was a court there. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and and uh, talking about Babar, I think what happened was. Uh, he uh, he beat the Lodhis and uh, but he yes. took uh, captive the wife of the Lodhi uh, and then I think she served him something Indian and he didn't he didn't like it and he didn't uh, like it so yeah bad. the food of Uzbekistan was is pretty bland uh, is is what, yeah. what people so, say yeah so I was I went to a Uzbek restaurant in uh, London right and uh, and uh, the menu was actually very strangely familiar one is that. You had a lot of bread-like things that were very similar to sort of naans and kulchas. That's number one. Uh, there's also an item called plov, P-L-O-V, which is exactly what you think it is. It is a pulao. It is basically beet and rice cooked together, right? Um, and uh, and so, yeah, so it's, I, I think that entire, 
there's there's a lot of commonalities between uh, the food uh, that kind of comes from there. But yes, it's definitely less spice because I think they're also very far away from the spice, if, if you could say that. Of course, they use saffron and others, which are sort of, you know, more proximately available in Iran and, and so on. And asafoetida, perhaps, which is strange. They actually, nobody uses asafoetida except uh, Indians. Hmm. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so, so it's quite interesting. But yeah, you're right. I, I think the Babur famously did not miss the fruits of Kabul or something and Samarkand and other things. And uh, he tried to somehow grow those trees and those apricots and things, never really did. And uh, which had then sort of led to the whole this thing of you know drying those fruits and then bringing them in and uh, which sort of gave rise to a huge market for dehydrated fruit. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's how this whole Afghan Kabuliwala thing probably. Yeah, Kabuliwala, right? I mean, the Kabuliwalas would come because the Mughals were willing to pay good money to uh, to buy those things. Yes. Yeah, and Murabba, I I wonder how they transported it. So basically, it's like reducing fruit in a sugary syrup, like sort of like compote. Is is that? Something. Uh, jam basically yeah so basically sort of like a slightly even slightly even more low moisture jam is basically what a purappa is non-spreadable mm. right? but yeah interesting yeah i, I was also uh reading the, the, the fact that mughal is actually a persian name for mongol so there's some mughal, relationship yeah, yes between mughals and no. mongols <clears throat> no it is right so so basically babar <clears throat> was the i think the great grandson of taimur Taimur of Uzbekistan, right? So Taimur, the lame, again, uh, well invaded, did lots of damage here. Uh, and I kind of I recall the the needlessly stupid controversy around uh, Saif, Saif Ali Khan and Karina Kapoor deciding to name their son Taimur. I mean, it's just a name, right? I mean, Taimur's son was called Shah Rukh, right? He was also a big conqueror. So you're going to go after Shah Rukh Khan? No, I mean, it's just a name. They have very few names in general, right? Uh, in any case, that apart, right? So <clears throat> Taimur. So he was the great, great, great grandson of Taimur, right? One of the great. Um, and Taimur was, at least he he... He, he was believed to have been the great, great, great grandson of Cengiz Khan. So, so uh, Taimur was clearly more obviously sort of more the, the Turkic Mongol. Uh, so it's an interesting thing. There's one of the other, uh, another common misconception people have is that people don't realize that Cengiz Khan was not Muslim. Uh, the word Khan means king. In pretty much huge parts of Central Asia, the word Khan means king. Right. Khan is not a religious term. Khan just means king, right? Um, and uh, so Cengiz Khan was actually uh, he he basically followed a bunch of those animist local kind of Mongol steppe uh, uh, sort of religions. One of his great grandsons, I think, or grandson, one of them, right, was the first uh, to to embrace Islam, and uh, and then sort of you know, uh, and since then, I think then Taimur and others were obviously very specifically. You know, uh, out to spread the word of you know God and so on. Right? So I think it was it was different by then. But Cengiz Khan himself was not. So so the 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 Mongol is basically just the uh, Mughal is basically just the Persian way of saying Mongol. Uh, yeah, and I think I mean the influence that they have had on Indian food is also quite remarkable, right? I mean we spoke oh, about Murabba, kulfi, uh, and I think um, uh, even well, yogurt using based, dry is... using dry fruit dry fruit paste using yogurt uh, in cooking. Right, because I think famously Ayurveda does not allow you to mix yogurt with anything else, um, and so clearly I think the use of yogurt-based gravies, the kadis, and the and all the rest of those things, along along with your uh, your uh, uh, use of cashew paste, almond paste, pistachio paste, use of saffron, 
all of these things were introduced mughlai cooking in, in general i think the uh, although although interestingly enough the tandoor likely goes back like thousands of years the tandoor has been around for like a lo- the longest time right yeah hmm yeah i mean talking about the cashew paste and uh, do they use pistachio paste probably not but but anyway so cashew paste is what distinguishes almond and almond and uh, almond and cashew by the rich uh, melon seeds by the poor Basically. yeah apparently that's what makes it shahi is is what people say like you you mix yes. cashew paste and it's it's shahi yeah. shahi right? because it's only for for the rich right and uh, yeah very much and uh, interesting thing is that they uh, they got their rich and creamy textures from these things uh, and then what is interesting is that you had uh, uh, the poorer people who could not afford fresh cream or cashew paste pistachio paste and almonds and all that um eventually in the streets of delhi around jama masjid figured out a way uh, to slow cook some of the poorest cuts of meat particularly mutton with the bones and then the marrow and the connective tissue would completely sort of uh, become gelatin which then adds the super rich and creamy uh, texture uh, to those dishes and these are called niharis right um and it is considered to be one of the most sort of nutritious uh, but rich tasting but very working class food right so it's a classic case of you know the the emperor just across in the red fort was eating cashew paste and almond paste but just like find a meat as a way they were cooking like bone marrow and the cheapest cuts of of bone and so on and really cooking it down to gelatin and making this incredibly thick tasting and the funny thing now today if you take a shahi mughlai sort of dish and have a nihari on the side the nihari is just way better <laughs> right you know, it is like you know sort of how it's sometimes how working class uh, you know uh, innovation over time right amongst uh, creativity amidst duress and so on hmm interesting we we touched on uh, kebabs we touched uh, on chaats um, and now coming to desserts uh, did you try a lot of sweets uh, baked items i'm not i really i'm not much of a strangely enough i am not much of a uh, desert person at all so really i think other than the usual uh, firni occasional firni here and there i think i really didn't uh, try any of the local desserts i'm uh, more interesting more, i did try a lot of the local breads like you know the sheermal uh, the khamiri roti uh, and so on those are like oh man you know and there are all these bakeries where you could just simply make the side dish at home and you could just could just go buy fresh baked khamiri roti right and then come home and you don't have to um sort of uh, make make that bread at home and you can't actually right i mean you would have to yeast it's it's a lot of effort and you need a tandoor which you probably don't have at home and it's interesting because i think the part of the reason why i think yeasted breads are not more popular than they could have been is is the fact that because they are impractical to make at home you'd imagine that okay that would open up a market where bakeries would make it and you and people would just go buy it but unfortunately hindus do not till very recently do not eat food cooked by other people right so uh, somebody from another caste um, and and so therefore so there's no such thing as a restaurant buying food from elsewhere no right it it has to be cooked at home that's just the way it is right uh, and something as staple as bread or chapati and so on now you make it at home so therefore it's only the flat bread the chapati the paratha the things that you can bake at home right uh, as opposed to the naans and the kulchas and these which are these are very much street food based they do require a tandoor they do uh, and so on 
and they're largely patronized by historically either uh, typically the muslims right and and uh, not by hindus right so yeah interesting i mean i i think that part of the country also yeah. has different types of parathas and and rotis like you mentioned uh, which are yes. not that mainstream you don't you don't really find all those in uh, restaurants absolutely because the restaurant is actually going to a restaurant will always prioritize things that are cheap and easy to cook uh and anything that takes extra effort i think adds cost uh, and and so you'll find that they do not opt for things that are high effort hmm and for someone who wants to visit lucknow would you recommend uh street food versus you know like a sit down restaurant like what is the difference both in- hmm. I, I both i think the one is that i think the quality of food in even in a very dingy looking place is very high um and and so i think you should just experience everything but there are also some fantastic fine dining places as well i think naimat khana uh, dastarkhan and uh, some of these others um uh, have like amazing high end sort of especially the the biryani is just so aromatic right and uh, every morsel of rice is oozing with flavors and so on so i think you know clearly but but i would actually say if you're on a budget you just go eat street food i think it's just amazing hmm yeah fantastic i mean also talking about firni i think firni the 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 idea of mixing rice with milk and uh, that was also brought by mughals i think very much because you are not allowed to mix rice milk with anything else in uh, in 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 traditional hindu cooking right uh, very very uh, which is very interesting was, because payasam yeah. is a very uh, south indian thing and kheer also right yes. so uh, i wonder <laughs> no the kheer uh, my guess is i think the kheer probably kind of came a bit later is my guess um, and south indians i don't think some of these rules didn't apply there right i've often found that i think the south indian idea of even the ayurvedic idea of what is hot or cold varies by region right is usually one of my things when people take it very seriously i'm like look how can it how can you take it seriously when different parts of it they have different roots right i mean you uh, and so on but no but people still take it seriously yeah yeah the other the other thing about uh, potatoes and biryani is that uh, uh, though we spoke about the the other story right where uh, the last uh, nawab of uh, awadh Uh, had to eat it uh, whatever but but the other the other story is that portuguese gave uh, the awadh people uh, potatoes um, and chili yeah. and they quite liked yes. it because uh, chili was yeah. giving uh, spice and also uh, a bit of color um, yep yep and uh, i think the the awadhi food is generally spicier than delhi food right meaning hotter mm-hmm. more chilies uh, than delhi food delhi food is actually not high on chilies at all uh but avadi food is actually pretty high on chilies um uh, and uh, again there's again a very interesting allied story of how i think chart is said to have one of the stories behind chart is uh, is related to the the polluted water of the yamuna and i i think you know people were getting sick drinking the water and i find it funny that somebody in like the 16th century Uh, was finding the water of the yamuna polluted and you know we worried that it was it is polluted in the year, you know in like 2023 right uh and so to account for that i think is how many of these chart items uh which essentially involved a bunch of very very strongly antimicrobial things right so it involved mint it involved uh, uh, cum- uh spices all of those spices it had lots more of salt your black salt and so on uh chilies which again are very strongly antimicrobial uh and tamarind again make it very acidic amchur again very 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 acidic lime juice and so on and deep fried stuff right uh, so when you do this you completely neutralize the effect of 
the water part of it, right? So because the chart is like not necessarily hot, right? And it is going to be consumed raw. So which means that, you know, the water may not have been boiled. It may have been, right? It's at room temperature and so on. So, but you have all of these other antimicrobial things. Hopefully, you know, they will, that's why chart is like always very intense and very hot and very spicy. Yeah, very interesting because I, I read somewhere that Akbar used to get uh, water from the Ganga for his food. Um, and I think he used to, some other uh, water source for his, uh, uh, I think, desserts and stuff. Yeah, it was pretty yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Sure. yeah, okay. So the Mughal emperors could do whatever they wanted. <laughs> but I think the other, my my one of my favorite interesting anecdotes is how, I think the movie Jodha Akbar, you know, that, you know, that Bollywood, uh, a historical, uh, you know, movie, <laughs> uh, which sort of shows uh, Aishwarya Rai introducing Hrithik uh, Roshan to to vegetarian food, right? Um, you know, so the implication is that these barbarians eat only meat, and you know, it took a Rajput princess to introduce the glories of vegetarian food to to them, and so on. The weird thing is that actually Rajputs are not vegetarians. Rajputs are famously meat eating. They eat a lot of meat. They are kshatriyas, right? And lal mas. I mean, you know, they're very very. They eat a lot of meat, and bizarrely enough, Akbar was vegetarian. Yeah. Right. Akbar had a sort of like this, uh, you know, uh, a Jain guru that he was following. He he followed a lot of people, right? I mean, he was like interested in immersing himself in a bunch of these religions. And one particular very influential guy somehow convinced him to turn vegetarian. And so, yeah, so that entire scene is sort of ahistorical in in a, in more ways than one, right? If anything, you know, Akbar would have been the one to introduce Jodha Akbar to like vegetarian food. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know if it is uh, in Akbar Nama, but uh, Akbar used to be vegetarian on Fridays and Sundays. And uh, he is uh, he has famously said that um, uh, I don't like eating meat, but I want to I, I eat meat to fight wars and like to, to, to yeah, be strong. I suppose, and, yeah, and so, yeah. Yes. No, I, also, I think I think he, he later in life, he became like completely vegetarian and so on. So there was. Yeah. So apparently under the influence of that Jain uh, one advisor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think Jahangir was also vegetarian for, for the most part is what I've heard. Uh, I, again, as I said, I mean, none of these actually matter beyond the fact that you use it to set right some stereotypes that people sometimes tend to use. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's uh, it, it's it's quite interesting. And, and talking about desserts, I think uh, Jalebi and Halwa uh, was was there before the Mughals came, uh, which is also quite fascinating. Yeah. Uh, Delhi Sultanate. Halwa, I'm, I'm, yeah, true. Uh, so Halwa probably Halwa is for sure an Ottoman Central Asian thing, right? Halwa is absolutely from there, but it may have come before the Mughals, so because I think the Delhi Sultanate has been around at least till the twelfth till the twelfth century. So yeah, sure, one of these Turkic soldiers. Yeah, because actually many see actually I do know that like for example I found out that in the thirteenth century there was a Pandian civil war in the south. Okay. So I think the Pandians were they were fighting. They had an internal civil war, and there was an uncertainty. And one of the one of the Pandians, Sundara Pandian, right, in order to beat his other whatever cousin or brother or whoever it was, uh, he had heard about the fact that there were these mercenary Turkish mer Turkic mercenary soldiers, people from Uzbekistan, who were like fierce warriors on on these horses, and they fought like like crazy and so on. Uh, and he and he hired them. So Sundara Pantian hired Turkic mercenaries in order to win a civil war. And, and those people then obviously married into the locals and settled in Tamil Nadu, became Tamil over time. And they are they are now called Rauters. 
Okay, so router essentially means uh, they 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 actually basically originated in the Turkish Turkish Turkic mercenaries who came in in the thirteenth and fourteenth century, right? And fought for one of the Pandyas. But eventually, they also they formed their own kingdoms. I think some of them were like became very wealthy. Uh, like I think the some of the Nawabs of Arcot were routers as well. uh and that's so on right so i think uh, they 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 ruled over parts as i think there was you know sort of uh, instability over uh, different parts of tamil nadu and so on so so router yeah so i think you know i you know you you see the router biryani router this router in fact i think in many in many parts i think simply refer to muslims as routers in kerala especially palakkad uh, yeah. yeah 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 absolutely that is that is precisely that region yeah yes yeah very interesting um so other than food um uh, i see you went to bada imambara tell me about that um, uh, it's i think the second biggest or something has a labyrinth oh wow i mean it's 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 a it's a surprisingly interesting place to go um i found it far more interesting to visit than you know even many other major mughal monuments and so on i think and their that labyrinth was just so quite underrated quite underrated and it is such a there there is this there the guy will take you through those labyrinth and for a moment he'll just he'll just let you and let you go and disappear and he'll say you try and figure your way out and somehow he'll 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 make a comeback before people descend into panic uh and again i i i think it's it's a remarkably underrated place and this it's a really really beautiful place um and uh Yeah, I mean, I'm happy that it doesn't get any more crowds than it currently gets. But I think it's it's an amazing place. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I don't know what. But also, the there is something to be said about. I think the. I think also there's an interesting thing about how, um. The fact that it was conceptualized as a public space, right? Not just a there is a there is a mosque that's a part of that, but the bulk of it was actually. just a place for people to hang out and have fun which which actually when you think about somebody doing this in like the 17th or 16th century is remarkable yeah you have... usually india is yeah. not india has never been a place where people built infrastructure for people to hang out and have fun they built temples they built like mosques they built they built these kinds of things and where you could hurt people in and you know uh, and do those those kinds of things but never a place where yeah just go have fun right yeah like a city um, square and, or a central yeah. park yeah 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 exactly right no the city square how, how many indian cities have like a city square right or, or and so on of course yeah uh, with the mughals built gardens but those were for the royalty to go and and chill out right yeah not for common people yeah that is that is so true i never thought about it like that yeah um yeah even the britishers i i can't think of uh public public gardens maybe delhi some... they did not i mean in the sense that no so the british was always i mean for starters they were racist so when they built public spaces they said whites only right they didn't build public spaces for brown people right uh they even you know what like in chennai elliot's beach till then you know my grandmother used to tell me that before independence elliot's beach in besanagar was whites only so marina beach was for brown people Elliot's beach was for Europeans only, so they didn't call it whites. They said Europeans only, uh, and then yeah, it's only after independence that the uh, that the boat came off, and then you know people were allowed to go there. It's actually very interesting that you mentioned this because whenever I talk to people from Chennai, they see that oh, we don't go to Marina Beach, we only go to Bessi, or we only go to Besanagar Beach. There's still that bit yeah, of an elitist. 
ஒரு Absolutely, yeah. Uh, welcome change, uh, for sure. Yeah, uh, I also t- saw a picture of uh, Nankatai. Um, I think it's, uh, it's also quite underrated, I feel. I mean, I, I love it personally, but... Uh, yeah, I, f- I find it, I think it's a... It's, it's, it's in, my, in my opinion, it's, it's the right amount of biscuit to have. It's, like anything more, I find it's just too much. Too much. Right? And it's also not very sweet, which I also like. Right? Which is exactly what... Again, yeah. It just melts in your mouth. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, any origin story? I think, is, is, is it a quintessentially Indian thing or uh, again, Mughal? I am not really sure. I mean, again, as, as someone who has very little interest in anything remotely desert-like, I did not investigate the origin of uh, Nankatai. Uh, yeah. It's just, you know, it's just wanted to try it out and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually researching about uh, some interesting desserts in uh, uh, in UP. And uh, I don't know, again, I don't know how true it is, but uh, Shah Jahan apparently wanted something uh, as similar to Taj Mahal. And uh, that's how Agra Petha came about. <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, <laughs> that is... <laughs> I am not a fan of Agra Pet either. Oh, that actually does remind me there was actually a a Malai um man I forget this name. Um uh, it had a pan flavor it was Malai based. There was this desert in this very famous uh, desert place uh, in Agra which I think I had shared as well. I mean it was oh it was just it was almost like a very Indian dulce de leche like multiple layers of milk related things. uh but it had like a bit of that pan flavor as well and so it's just oh it's really really elevated that oh wow yeah galo galori i think it is called pan ki galori yes pan ki galori yeah i recently yes. re- discovered i mean uh sadly after moving to the bay area that meetha pan flavor in ice cream actually goes really well uh at least it was absolutely yeah pan ice cream is one of the best flavors uh, i also like i think uh, tender coconut i think is also very very nice um, but it works well if it's like made genuinely with like fresh coconut right i mean not not one of those synthetic flavor type things uh, and the other one actually really underrated one is is jackfruit it's so called vegetarian's meat or something yeah no 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 jackfruit ice cream jackfruit oh, flavor okay chakka chakka flavored uh, sort of like a ice cream version of your chakka variety is just fantastic um, and then likewise i think there is also the custard apple your sitaphal sitaphal flavored ice cream is also super yes sort mm. of reminds me of chapati i think have they have all of these flavors in kulfi yeah oh sitaphal reminds me of something that i saw that you discovered near nagarkoil a uh, very interesting fruit which was like sitaphal uh, not like sitaphal it's like like 
you know coming back See, again, to that's an interesting thing right so uh, so a good chunk of kerala's uh, south kerala's uh, uh, produce uh, comes from kanyakumari and nagarkoil yeah i guess because they yeah, were because all I part think... of the same empire travancore mm-hmm. or no also mm-hmm. also um, uh, cost of labor in kerala and communism and all of that sort of just makes it easier to import uh stuff from places oh, where oh yeah yeah even now yeah labor. for sure yeah <laughs> yes. for sure yeah yeah i mean everything even even uh i mean all rice has yeah, been coming like from... how i'm sure i'm sure people in palakkad like generally procuring things from coimbatore all the time so it's the same thing yeah yeah i remember uh, a tag called palakkad and matta uh, rice and then it was written yes. rajamundri at <laughs> the bottom so <laughs> <laughs> yes i'm sure yeah yeah so uh, which i which is sort sort of how i found rajamundri actually reminds me that one of the most common if you go anywhere if you are not by the sea in fact including including in places which are on the coast now the most common fish you'll get in india is basa okay which is this which is this basically the paneer of fish this is like no flavor um and it it's a catfish that comes from vietnam okay and they it is far, it is farm raised and they 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 grow so much that they are able to ship them pay import duties and it is still cheaper than fish that you actually catch off the coast of your uh, it is it is that that's how much they many countries have like no you cannot dump any more basa right it has become that level now apparently i i found out that like some 15 20% of basa is now farmed in rajamundri and kakinada and uh, coastal andhra <laughs> right because because those those guys have realized that okay i i think i can save that whatever 50% customs duty that anyway i have to pay might as well sort of do it here right even cheaper <laughs> so they've partnered with them they've got whatever those uh, the eggs and all of that and they they're growing it here that is so that is so crazy yeah. so the interesting the apparently it's funny right for both that entire stretch from all the way from the the godavari sort of delta krishna delta all the way down to the kaveri delta that stretch of coastline is india's highest uh, producer of uh, like aquaculture basically uh, shrimp and uh, farmed fish and shrimp right so in fact you can just see units units after units after units right and uh, so i was told that they you know the uh, they actually have to source those initial 12 or 13 of those sort of eggs or larvae and so on uh because then they will then multiply and these are like the genetic uh, these are this is intellectual property right i mean they they're like you know they grow to big size and all of that right so um and those cost like tens of lakhs like like for some 12 larvae or something um that's your big capital investment and then you have to hope that they will you know multiply hmm. uh, and so on you just have to feed them food and then yeah so this basa is probably mostly for internal consumption right i mean nobody Yeah 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 it is it is basically the the default the moment you kind of go inland if you see any fish item on the menu it will be basa they'll say fish malabar fish curry it will but they'll put basa and mallu will be wondering what is this did you put paneer or something they'll say no no it's a, it is fish it is basa 
Yeah, that is that is so fascinating. I, and and again, coming back to Lucknow, so so Mughlai Awadi cooking versus the typical North Indian cooking that that we all know, uh, the butter chicken and the you know saag yeah. paneer. Uh, so that's mostly Punjab. And what can you say is the fundamental difference? Is it the uh, you know uh, sorting of uh, onions and tomato that forms the base versus milk cashew paste in awadh is that not really i think so a lot of your uh, not all your awadh dishes are milk cashew paste based a few of them are right so the white gravy ones are right uh, and the other thing is that your your typical delhi butter chicken saag paneer stuff is not punjabi either it's actually restaurant punjabi um, and it's not even restaurant punjabi i mean in the sense that it these are basically sort of restaurants that started out in Lahore or Peshawar uh, run by these people who then post-partition came to Delhi and they just continued doing that, right? Darya Ganji, yeah. Right, so it's sort of like a very specific restaurant-friendly modularized where you can make a gravy, you can make a makhani gravy, you can make this gravy, you can make it ahead of time. You tandoori cook the chicken, next day you can use it in butter chicken, you can use it in, you know, chicken tikka masala, you know, uh, kadai chicken and all of that, right? Uh, So it's very much a restaurant-friendly thing. Right. Uh, actually, if you go to Punjab, rural side of Punjab and eat in a daba, it will taste absolutely nothing like uh, what you get in a Delhi restaurant. Uh, one is it's 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 entirely cooked in ghee or mustard oil. It depends, right, on the region. Doaba will be different, etc. Right. And then if it is sort of the Doab region, it will be the urad dal as your dal. And the makhan part of the dal, makhani is not actually makhan. It is just slow cooking the dal till it sort of becomes that 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 uh, gelatinous thing, sort of muc- uh, that mucilaginous thing comes out, like you know, like it does in in your bindi and all that. Right, a similar thing happens with urata. But in the other part of Punjab, it's going to be the green moong. They actually make a dal makhani version with the whole green moong as well, right? And and it has a completely different flavor profile. There was actually a Punjabi dhaba I used to go to in Chennai. It's close now, called the Gyan Vaishnav Punjabi dhaba. It was run by this sort of elderly Sikh gentleman. Uh, and so on and he did not serve butter chicken he did not serve he did not serve any of your usual restaurants these were all like hardcore sarsoka saag like the way you know pindi chole right? people forget that raval pindi is a punjabi city right you know as is lahore as is multan and all of those places before partition and many of these people used to be actually from that side as well uh, and it tasted utterly and completely different to the point where people would say i don't like this because I am I am familiar with what I understood as their typical kadai chicken, kadai paneer, paneer butter masala. And this has is very ginger heavy, it is it's very ghee heavy, it's it's it has a completely different flavor profile. And I think Avad has a very specific, I think, mix of spices. They I think the Avad uses more number of individual spices, and they also use more interesting floral aromas they add a, they have like not just rose water kevra water there'll be like tons of flowers they actually source these things and they all are used in perfuming uh the food as well right um and uh use a bunch of other very strange local roots as well that go into i i saw bought a bunch of these masalas there was a uh hazra buknu masala which i think is used as a very medicinal masala that you can sprinkle on top of sabjis apparently and it has something called myrobalan root and I was like, I had no idea what that was. I need to go research what that is. But but it had a very interesting flavor. Uh, and so I think there are more spices used in in Awadi cooking, which sort of again, you know, tracks against the fact that as the more south you get, I think the more spices you are going to use, uh, and so on. 
Hmm. Yeah, you spoke about uh, Pindi Chole. I think there is another interesting and uh, interesting story where uh, Shah Jahan once he was uh, held captive at the Agra fort um, uh, had an option of eating one food for the rest of his life, and he chose uh, chana or chole uh, because ah, okay. Yeah, because uh, apparently it was just like potato, right? It can be like it yes. can be eaten dry, like a shundal form in South India, and yes. uh, also in a gravy and all of that. Uh, so there's another interesting, interesting story about that. Um, yes. Awesome. Uh, so Lucknow trip. Uh, ideally, what would you recommend? Two days, three days. I would actually say I think a three to four days. I think is ideal. I think you. Uh... um and the suggestion is to sort of uh, plan it in such a way that you if you, if you're going to eat like three times a day i think you, you, you get too much because the food is pretty rich and very high calorie so you do want to sort of plan if you're doing the kulche nihari at, at the akbari gate and so on on that day you probably want to have a lighter lunch right uh, don't do like biryani uh, for lunch and so on right uh maybe do a kebab and rumali roti right uh do some sort of uh, you can do chaat in the evening and so on right uh so i think there are yeah i think this all the famous ones i think you should try if you if you are someone with no dietary restrictions you should try every variation right so there is a so obviously tunde kebabi the famous place uh, uh you you can try both the the galavati is made from mutton right uh but it can also be made from beef Uh, which for political reasons they the 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 menu very distinctly calls it out as buffalo buff and as opposed to beef <laughs> and so on uh, but yes but uh, in in my sort of experience i found the taste of the the mutton one far superior somehow i think uh, uh, somehow the mutton in lucknow seems to taste better i have no idea why um, i still need to figure out why uh, but yes so i i think you know you can try both um and uh, definitely all of the other uh, uh you should try some of the uh, uh i this is other famous uh, boti kebab which is also again mm. really lovely um and and then definitely the biryani i think try biryani in two three different places fantastic it's just amazing uh, uh and then chaat and there is actually a i would actually say there is a there's a place by the gomti river along the side of the gomti river uh, which is a food street just search for food street um and it is it is just insane it is just like a kilometers of just every possible chaat and one very interesting thing soya chap which is sort of like the the lucknow vegan sort of meat option if you will right and they're famous for it and they the, everything that you can make with with other with meat there will be a soya chap version soya chap shaped into a shami kebab soya chap shaped into any any sort of thing they'll make shawarma with it i mean you name it right uh they'll be, they'll be like mexican something kebab or something like made from soya <laughs> chap and it's just an insanely crazy place for uh, eating chaat and this sort of this kind of street food as well so it's it's a food street uh, which i think is just search google you can search for it it's, it's just amazing yeah. i think my my instagram stories has all of the places that you could try i think we tried a pretty fair mix i think there's a few more that i think people had sent me recommendations uh, i will perhaps try and post another story like i did for calicut as a excel sheet of all the recommendations i end up getting like hundreds and hundreds right so 
yeah i did sort of like a, a a pie chart of i mean sort of like a bar chart of which was the most recommended right yeah and and for kodi kodi it was just paragon was like pretty much like 90% yeah paragon is uh, <laughs> you have to try paragon and i think uh, i actually didn't know you were visiting kodi kodi for the madhubumi literature festival and i yes. just suggested adam in a chai kada and it was like right right across the street right yeah 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 <laughs> so so besanagar beach has adam in a chai kada so they have a branch there Okay yeah i think they also have so fun fact about adamina chaikada i think they started in uh, the middle east and then they moved to yes. kodikot uh, i see yeah yeah like a reverse oh, migration okay yeah. i see yeah yeah yes actually yeah. chennai has a chennai has a large number of really really good uh, uh, malayali uh, sort of uh, uh, food restaurants hmm. uh, because i think one the number of malayalis yes but heavily patronized by tamil people because they 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 get a range of uh, fish curries and uh, beef and other things uh, and they like the the flavor of those yes yeah so i i was in hyderabad for a few months and um, uh, kerala restaurants were really famous because people wanted to eat beef but they could not yes. uh, and yes. they would just go to these places and you know nicely eat. correct <laughs> yes yes so so that's and i think also, also i think the uh, and the other the typical like for example i think there's a place called uh, uh, kuttanad near, near my house and uh, there there's the regular satya which is which includes a couple of uh, thorans and uh, it comes with a sambar and uh, a bunch of these other normal things puli inji normal very lightweight not the onam satya regular daily satya etc etc that basic satya is like 70 or 80 rupees which is insane in, in today's it's like a that's like a less than a dollar right in, in us terms uh, people who just order that and then say get me one Uh, get me one uh, vanjaram fry or uh, get me one ayala fry or something like that and then you know yeah that you know you have your protein and you're like done and it's and it's very very uh, cheap of course they will charge you 200 rupees for that fish uh, but yes but the basic satya is like you know say 80 bucks yeah uh, that that's one thing that i realized uh, between south india and north india right so in south india if you order chapati you will get chapati and curry for like i don't know 50 bucks or 60 bucks same with the meals yes. that you were you were explaining Uh, but in yes. the north if you order a curry or to order roti and i found that south indian like restaurants in south india in general like an average less restaurant is much cheaper than the north indian one it i would not say that actually uh, in in my opinion is that i think it um see one is that i think more labor effort goes into making chapati so uh, that has to be factored into the cost of that that's number one right i think you you can make like a 10 100 kilograms of rice at very low effort one guy can make it there is that the second thing i think also is that um if you go to a delhi of course it's going to seem expensive but what i found is that if you go to like lucknow or if you go to a smaller town right the food is remarkably cheap but when you go to a small town in tamil nadu it is it is actually more expensive than the small town in up because i think that has to do with the fact that the uh, the wealth here and the the per capita income is much higher and the expectation of who you, the labor that you may have to pay etc is much higher and so it's all factored the other thing is that see there people will eat roti and one sabji and they're done the, the side basically is just onions and that's it onion on the side which is for free and they just eat these three things right um uh, at the average meal but the average uh, south indian meal will be like one rice one one two sabjis and one sambar and one rasam and curd and one pickle and so there's actually like six or seven things that you end up eating right so the number of things you eat in a meal is very high it's one of the things i always found like missing when i went to north india is the fact that the people are just eating two things for lunch i i i am used to eating like six things on my plate right uh, 
And even if it's not all freshly made, the whole point was that many of these things would be in the fridge. Right? I would have made some pickle, I would have made some pachadi, I would have made some tokke, the toyal, the chemandi, all of that will be in the fridge and will be. So because there was no problem in the South of eating older food because you would put it in the fridge and eat it. And no, I, only later I discovered that North Indians have, have a problem with the fridge, meaning that no, 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 everything has to be fresh khana. It has to be made like now. And so they will never eat anything in the food. Maximum they'll have pickle. That's about it. And even their achar also, they don't put in the fridge. They keep it like outside. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Very interesting uh, point about, yeah, I never, never, never really thought about it. But, uh, yeah, yeah. well, Ashok, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Uh, great uh, stories uh, from Mughlai Cuisine and your trip uh, to Lucknow. Uh, so yeah, we'll yeah do, great fun, yes. Uh, we'll do another episode soon. So, yeah, thank yes. you. I mean, all this speak of kebabs, I'm now hungry for kebab. <laughs> Pondicherry, unfortunately, fortunately now is like this insanely cosmopolitan place with like international, you go yeah. outside, you'll like suddenly see Europeans, you'll see people from North India, everyone, all hipsters now, right? I mean, it's way more hipster than Chennai. So um, I just found that there's like an Israeli restaurant nearby. And so I'm going to try it out tomorrow. Yeah. So. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> yes. Awesome. No, 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 no comment on the, the, the current, uh, Absolutely. current situation, which is, which is quite a tragedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. All right. Awesome. See you.